Um, Well, Father, let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this day and for these, this church, this parish, these people, for their love that they have for you. And so, Lord, we just ask now today that you would anoint your word, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. The, uh, Brian told me, he said, there's a song sheet there for you. And I don't really sing, so I tell him, I said, well, I don't really sing. I mumble along. But then I got to think, so many times when I co I've come here in the past, the song sheets have actually changed my sermon because of the particular songs. Because in what I find a lot of times is the songs that get chosen is the Holy Spirit is speaking to whoever's doing the choosing and sets a theme that is sometimes maybe not quite what my theme would be. You know, and, uh, and actually today I... I just never could get a real clearness with God exactly what to talk about and where to go with it and all. But I want to share just a couple of thoughts I had because of the songs that, that we sing today. Uh, the, the Easter song, the second chapter of Acts, that's, that, that's such an awesome song. It's, it's become the traditional Easter song for just about every church in the world. Uh, that hear the, hear, the, the, hear the bells ringing is just so great and uh, I wish every one of our churches would come to the cathedral for Easter Sunday morning because we it's, it's, it's the coolest and best Easter service I've ever been in in my life because what we do is we do something a little bit different as uh, we black out all the windows and so when you come into the church it's dark and all and then when we when we uh, we did the gospel reading for Easter Sunday, and when the reader the uh, the reader uh, you know says those words, he has risen. Then our band does uh, the drummer does a thunderclap somehow or another. I don't know how they do all that stuff, but it just sounds kind of like thunder rolling. And then we start singing this Easter song, and we take down all the curtains and turn on all the lights. And everybody has a bell. And so everybody starts screaming and yelling, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, and ringing their bells. And this goes on for like we sing this thing over and over. And it's like the coolest thing in the world because it's like, wow, something spectacular, unusual that just grabs your attention has just happened. And, it, and we're reenacting that in that sense. So that's, uh, so that's become like my very favorite song of all time and everything. Uh, but you know, as we were singing that song and then singing some of the other songs about his resurrection, I had this thought, you know, like if we had done this, you think about this, if we had done the whole Jesus thing, if it had been the way we did it, how would we have done it? You know? Now I'm thinking like, you know, it'd been pretty cool to get crucified first and then raised from the dead and then spend three years beating everybody up, basically. Because, you've, you know, you kill me and I've risen from the dead. Now what you going to do? But, you know, Jesus, did, he did it totally different and ordained it to be that way. Because when you read the Gospels and you read uh, about the, uh, what's going on with all the apostles and stuff, they were pretty messed up 
when they crucified Jesus. All of them had fled. And there's only John left at the cross. And he was scared to death. None of them believed that he was going to be raised from the dead. No, nobody believed that. None of the apostles, none, none of the women, none of them actually believed. And he told them, but none of them actually believed that. And so three days after his death on the cross, when, they, when he raises from the dead and the women go and they're just blown away. Why was they blown away? Because they didn't believe. But they were reminded because it happened. And then we see the same thing with all the, the apostles all the way through this, that they didn't really believe it was going to happen. But when they got that, that he had, he had actually risen from the dead, that made every single thing that he ever said real. Totally real. There can't, you cannot dispute anything in the Gospels that Jesus said as being irrelevant or not real or anything. Because his resurrection was the final conquering of everything, of death. And so I thought, you know, this morning as I was thinking about that, I said, man, just how different God is from us. But he always does things backwards to probably to the way that we would do things. So anyway, then the, the last, I had never noticed this. And I've sung this song so many times. I've got it on, I had it, used to have it on CDs and would play it. Uh, but the very last verse where it says, The angels, they all surround us, and they are ministering Jesus' power. Quickly now, reach out and receive it. For this could be your glorious hour. Well, I would probably change that last line and put it there, but that, that this is...
if Eve had believed that God was totally sovereign, then she would not have eaten of the tree. She said, well, God's sovereign. You know, I believe that. And, I, and because I believe that, I will obey what I believe. You know, part of our vows when we obey, we're told to preach what we believe and then believe what we preach. Because you know? that's the way the Christian life First, we have a revelation because we've either heard somebody say it or we've read it and we start pondering it and thinking about it and wallowing it around and all. And we'll even talk about it and stuff. And that, that's, that's the classroom. This is the classroom here. This is not life. This is the classroom. This is an explanation of teaching it in theory. For me, it's not so much teachings. It's me rambling, but you're being taught something by the Holy Spirit. But you're going to be required sometime today, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, you're going to be required to be in the lab. That is, live what you say, I've said to you. And that's the basics of what Christianity is all about, about life in Christ. It's we hear, we say, Accept it, and then we have to live it out. And if we understand that, it becomes so much more easy. One of the things that Bishop has been brought out and lately is that in the temptation of Christ, it says very plainly that the Holy Spirit led Jesus out to be tempted. Now, God doesn't tempt. But God does lead us. You know, now, when I, all of a sudden, I put two things together, the Lord's Prayer and that, because it always has bothered me in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Because I've been taught God does not tempt. God does not tempt. It's been beat into me 
from childhood and all through the charismatic world and stuff that God does not tempt. No, he does not. But he does lead us into temptation. And it's not for us, it's not about us failing, it's about us coming. It's laugh. He teaches us in our prayer time, in our private time, in our reading time, in our being together, going to churches, he teaches us, and then he leads us into the lab to experience all that he's taught us, that he's been speaking to us, so that it becomes real. That's the resurrection. Because he had taught these guys for three years. And then at the cross, he said, it's loud. It's loud time. And the question that he was asking them, and I spoke on this last week because it's, it's the biggest thing in my life because of the situation with my son is, do you believe? And, he, and that was the question he was asking them. Do you believe that I am the Christ? Side and say, do you believe all that I've taught you? And they were thrown into confusion. Let me think about that. They weren't sure until they saw the resurrection. And they experienced the resurrection. And then it all become, began to become clear was that, yes, now we believe. Because they were in the lab. And they were experiencing it in reality. So most of our life, as Christians, unfortunately, we're trying to confine it to the teaching. And we don't want to live out the lab. And so we do things to avoid the lab. And when the lab comes along, we get all upset about it. You know? First question. Yeah, first time. Something that's happened pretty much, I think, every Christian asks the same question. There's things that happen in life that is proven because of things being recorded now is that situations will happen and almost all the time the response will be the same from across culture and everything. An example of that is in aircraft. When something really bad goes wrong in an aircraft, on the flight recorders, the first thing that is heard when it's really bad and when, the, when it dawns on the pilot, that this is, we're going to crash. And things just happen. Engines go out, wings fall off, or whatever. The first phrase that they hear, it's like almost 90 to 100% of the time, is, oh, the other word for crap. Almost all the time. That's the first response. Because it just happens so quick. And our first response is, quick Christians, most of the time, I believe it is for me, and I think it's pretty much for everybody. If something happens, as we go, our first response is, why? <coughs> why? Why did that happen? Why did I lose my job? Why did my mom die? Why did my dad die? Why did my best friend die? Or why did my marriage go off the rails and my, my spouse became crazy? It's a loser. Why? why? Why did my child do that? I thought he had more sense than to do that. It's always when something kind of doesn't fit our concept of Christianity, even though we've read it here, and we should know it's coming in some form. When it comes to our, our tendency to go, why me, Lord? 
we do that the way we Have you ever been trying to go to something, church on Sunday morning or a meeting or something, and it's like nothing goes right for you? You know, like you spill coffee, you know, you have to rechange your clothes, you know, or the hot water is out, so you have to take a cold shower, and you go out and car goes on the start, or maybe you've got a flat tire, you know, you go, why me? I think almost everybody has that response. It's like, like, why me? Why did I? And really, it's our life. So whatever our situation really is, it should be, okay, Lord, give me the grace to walk through this. Strengthen me in all the appropriate places. And just simply believe you. Because if Christ is in you, which again, this is a very basic Christianity 101 that we need to get, that we, most of us have not heard into just the recent few years. It's the word that was preached many years ago. Doing, uh, different revival for this. It's Christ in you. That's our gospel reading for the day. It's Christ in you. Christ in, Christ in God, God in Christ, Christ in you, you in Him. It's Christ lives His life now in you. Or at least he tries to. But he generally is always asking for permission. He doesn't just steamroll most of the time. Occasionally he does, because he wants us to get it. And so sometimes I've been totally amazed at my responses in life, because I know that that's not my normal response in life. And I realize it's because what Jesus has done in me and is doing in me. This is actually, this is not me. It is him, but it's actually me because I'm in him and he's in me. And that's what we have to believe. Do we believe that? I ask God today, do you believe that Christ lives his life in you? That he's living inside of you? And that now the life that you live now, you no longer live in God's place. You live by Christ lives in you. Do you believe that? Because why should anything be upset? Why should anything upset our little alcohol that we're pushing around with what we call our life? When bad things happen, and bad things do happen, do we believe? This I do believe. I believe that God is in, is, is in, is, is in control. There's nothing happens in this world that God is not aware of it happening. He's just waiting for the moment to intervene on our behalf. As it said in that song, we just need to reach out. Quickly, now reach out and receive quickly reach out and receive the goodness of God and the sufficiency of God. So in every situation, right now my lab happens to be walking through this with my son and believing.
good God, a loving God. And so I believe, I believe at that base level, how that works except God, if God works, I, I don't know all those answers. We never have all those answers. But the, most of the time, I would say every time that something that we say is bad is happening, God is actually asking us a question. If we would just hear it and listen, is do you believe? It's really that simple as do you believe? If Eve had believed what God told her, she would not have been put out. Whatever the cause. The tree of knowledge. She would not have been put out. told her. If she believed, she would have obeyed. The Satan got in and got the line going. He does the same thing with us on the issues of bad things happen. Then the, uh, what's the second song, third song somewhere? The second Ain't No Greater. Ain't No Greater. That's a great song. One of the things that makes this song great to me is that it's a, it's a bluegrass song. You, you listen to the basic music, it's a, it's a whole it's done in the genre of bluegrass, kind of moving towards more contemporary type bluegrass sound. And it was done, it was recorded, this, this girl that records this, is singing this song, is like, you know, she's related to Ricky Scaggs. She's like his niece or something like that. My baby's daughter. And she's very closely related to him. And she's doing this at Bethlehem. Now you would think like Bethel would like be like don't do the grass. You know? But she's actually singing the Bethel and doing this and recording this with Bethel out of Southern California. So I think that's awesome. They cry it, it, it's cross and cultural. They trying to tell us something. But the uh, the very first lines of the song really struck me. And again, this is a song about changing religion. But the very first part says, Shame is a prison as cruel as a grave. How true that is. There's nothing more cruel to us than shame. Whenever we feel shame, it, it does put us in the place of reaction. And we, have, we should have no shame. We should have repentance things that we do, but not shame. Because we've been set free from shame at the moment that we say, Father, forgive me. We're set free. Do we believe that? Do we live that in our life? Or do we wallow around in self-pity and believe a lie that are so shameful? And so when we wallow in shame, we are in Say that God is a liar because God says He loves us. And we say, How can you love somebody so bad as me? I'm so ashamed. I continue to fall, continue to fail. And because of that, I'm so ashamed. God don't go, No, you're just working out the lamb. You're just learning. Repentance is the key to all. So there I thought that was a great song. Like I said, the lines that I would probably change is, uh, like in the last verse, the verse 
It's like one of those words that does that's beginning to make no sense. Basically, the word theology just means the study of it. But for some reason, we make it into something that's greater than just thinking about it. And because I'm a simple guy, I don't do theology that much. I tend to just live life. I kind of skip. I never liked classroom work. You know, I was a horrible student in school, so I'm a horrible student now in life. I don't do classroom. Well, when things I get bored easily, I start playing things in my head or then listening to actually what's being taught. So it takes a long time for me to kind of get into teaching, but it, it uh, seems like I live a lot. The things come at me really quickly sometimes. It just, yeah. And the things that are coming at me now, that's me coming, is that one simple not thinking in terms of the whole world. He went to the cross thinking in terms of the one that was in front of him. So do you believe God loves you that much? Do you believe that he was the only person in creation that God would die on the cross suffer all of that just for you? Of course. Theologically, between your ears, you can accept that.
start processing, okay, what are, what are we trying to live out here? And then I you know, proceed as best I can. I mean, what it gets me is it's the little aggravating stuff that happens to me. Just when something aggravates you. And if I told you what, and that aggravated me so much, you'd laugh and go like, really? You got aggravated because of that? It's the little things. And as it says in the summer song, it's the little foxes that destroy the man. And so you only let the littlest things aggravate us, and we don't deal with it. I mean, it's going to happen. You know? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't say anywhere about what things ain't going to happen. Matter of fact, it says over and over again, it's going to happen. But when it's the little thing that happens, when you step back and go, okay, well, like, I don't, you know, what's, what's happening here that I need to get? And if we, if we start at the beginning of everything, Sovereignty of God, the sufficiency of God, and do you believe? If you start there and process, it's so much easier. If you try to start in the middle or towards the end, it's much, much more difficult. It'd be like Brian trying to write a book and he's trying to write, he starts, it's going to be a 12 chapter book and he starts in the seventh chapter. That's going to be difficult. You're going to have to do a whole bunch of thinking to try to put all this together. Whereas if you, you can you can sometimes start at the end of your story, and the end of our story is he is risen. Which is also the beginning of our story. But no, you know, like I don't know of any writer that writes backwards. That like has the end of the story and then they write they they get they write the twelfth chapter, and they write the eleventh chapter, and then they write the tenth chapter. I know a lot of writers who write maybe the last chapter of a book. It's the, it's the ending that they're going to get to. But then they go and they start in the beginning and tell the story from the, from the beginning to the end. Well, the end of our story is he is risen. Now, the beginning of our story is do we believe that he is risen. Amen? Amen. 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 Amen.